discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. What a blessing. Are you excited to be in the house of the Lord? There's no place like the house of God. I tell you, what a blessing. Let's pray. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this beautiful morning. Thank you for this beautiful opportunity we have to be in your presence like this. Thank you for your precious Holy Spirit who leads us and guides us and teaches us your word. Who is the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Father, we ask for wisdom and revelation this morning in your word concerning your son, Jesus Christ. And thank you that by the time the service is over, our love for you is heightened to another level altogether. Thank you for increased glory for all of us and increased grace for all of us. Thank you for fruits for all of us to your glory and to your praise. Even in Jesus' name. We receive your word with meekness and gladness, with great joy. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. You may kindly take your seats in heavenly places where you belong. I want to welcome all of you once again to church. Thank you, Daddy. Yeah, it's a blessing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you ready for the word? We are ready. Did you come with your notebook? We are here. Are you ready to take notes? Oh, yes. Tell anybody you should take notes. You should take notes. Ask anybody, where's your notepad or your where's notebook? Or your your phone hallelujah yes you have to take notes anybody have to take notes you have to take notes it's important okay all right so i'm sharing with us on uh hopefully i'll just do it today if not i'll continue next sunday i'm sharing with us on the will of god wow wow the will wow. of god hallelujah. hallelujah the will of god is it a good topic because one of the main things that people are worried about is the will of God. Yes. What is the will of God for my life? You see. What is the plan of God for my life? But I'm going to share it in a certain light that will, I believe will help you. Yes. When you know the exam questions before time, it makes the exams very easy, isn't it? Yes. So it's good to know what God is expecting so that you can press all the buttons you're supposed to press in your life. Hallelujah. So uh, let me start from Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, I want us to just read from verse 1 so that it's a beautiful part of the Bible with a lot of nice things to say. But my aim is to get to verse 4 to verse 6. Yes. So. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. The apostles are by mentioning the will of God. So God has a will. Isn't it? There are things God wants. 
okay, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Next verse, please. It says, Grace be to you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Next verse. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Hallelujah. I could preach a whole month on that. Then he says, According as he has chosen us in him, in Christ. Brothers and sisters, you are chosen. Tell anybody you are chosen. You are chosen, I tell you. Can you imagine that God has handpicked you? Yeah. Do you have NLT? Can you show us NLT if you have it? God handpicked you. I tell you, you are not ordinary at all. You don't respect yourself. That's the problem. Yes. Yes. It says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ. Before he made the world. Before everything was, God loved you. Eh? And chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. You are chosen. chosen. You, are, you are divinely chosen by God. You are, not, you are not easy at all, I tell you. You are not easy at all. That is why you shouldn't reduce your value. That is why you must insist on the best. I preached a message in one of our churches just on Wednesday. It's on the podcast. Um, Endless treasures. And, and I, was, I was talking about how, why you should insist on having the best. You have to insist on having the best. Jesus didn't die for nothing. Jesus died for you to have a good life. Jesus died for a reason. There's a reason why Jesus died. Yes. He died so that you have a good life. Is it a bad thing to have a good life? It's the will of God. It's, the, it's part of the will of God. The Bible says, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. He wants your soul to prosper for it to affect your, your prosperity, your natural prosperity, your material wealth, and also affect your body health, which is your body. Do you get it? Yes. That's what God wants. God doesn't want you sick. He doesn't want you sick. Tell anybody, he doesn't want you sick. God likes it when you are healthy. How will you do evangelism if you are sick? How will you give if you are poor? Yes, how? So there are two very important things that God doesn't joke with. Your health and your prosperity. They are very important to God. Like they are topmost on God's list. So for the purpose of you doing what he wants you to do. Of you fulfilling his will. Not so that you have a lot of money and you'll be fooling around. No. He wants you to be able to serve him. He wants you to use your money. Let me show you a verse. Ephesians chapter 4. God is so concerned about your giving that even if you're a thief in the church, he says that stop stealing so that you can work. Not to eat, but so that you can work and give to others. Verse 28, Ephesians 4, 28. Let him that stole steal no more. He says if you are into stealing as a child of God, stop stealing. Let him that stole steal no more. Stop stealing. Tell neighbor, stop stealing. Stop doing the scamming. Stop doing the, the betting. Stop doing the fraud. Stop doing the the girls who have older boys. What, what do they have? The, 
sugar. Stop the sugar, daddy. What? Stop the hookup. We don't need hookup to survive. Am I preaching or not? Stop, stop the escort things. It says, let him that stole steal no more. But rather, let him labor. Can you show us other versions? I don't think you understand. Labor, steal no more. We don't understand. Amplified. Show us amplified. Let the thief steal no more. Do you understand? Is it clear enough? They say stop stealing. It's not good. But rather let him be industrious. Let him work. Work is good. Tell me about work is good. All those things, those thoughts that you have of, let me just sit at home and money will come to me. It's, no, that is not soft life. That is demonic life. There's something wrong. It's demonic. It's demonic. It's not so, you must work. Yes, God doesn't like it when you have idle hands. God doesn't like it when you are not doing anything and expecting to have everything. No, it's not supposed to be like that. No, 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 no. That's a lazy person. The Bible says we should go to the ant and go and ask. Go and find out. Eh? He says he, call, he calls the people slackers. He says, don't be a lazy fool. Go and go and work. Yes. No contribution, no chop is in the Bible. Did you know it's in the Bible? Second Thessalonians chapter 3. NTNC, no contribution, no chop. You can write in the Bible, no contribution, no chop. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. If you don't work, don't eat. If you are not going to work, you are not entitled to eating. Are you in a church? Adam was created to work. It wasn't, it wasn't a curse. You have to work. The blessing of being a child of God is that as you work, God amplifies your results. Not that you sit at home and then everything is... No. That, that, you'll be forced to become a prostitute. Or you'll be forced to become something that you're not supposed to become. If you're not working. You have to work. If you can't find any job, make one. Hello? Hi. I employ about 30 people. I pay 30 people. About. Oh, about 30 people. Yeah. I have plans of increase. Next year, I'm going to increase the number of people we employ. Yes. If you can't find one, do what? Make one. Our mothers went to making, making jobs. Yeah. There's a provision store everywhere. I tell you in Ghana. There's a provision store everywhere. You go to UK, there are corner stores, isn't it? The Indians are selling corner stores. They don't work in the system. They are doing their own thing. And they declare, they declare what they want to declare to the government. Yeah. You have to work. For what purposes? For when we're with you, this we commanded you that, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Verse, verse 11. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busy bodies. They are, just, they, are not, they, are not, they are just moving around. You have to work. Tell me why you have to work. Be serious about working. Work hard. And you'll be paid. Yes. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't know where it came from, but a lot of young people don't want to do, they don't want to work. I don't know where it came from. What are you talking about? You have to work. You have to do something. You have to do something. Yes. If you don't work, you are not entitled to it. How can God bless you if you don't have anything that you are doing? The blessings of God shows up by you doing something. I have a whole message on it. Touch something. 
That's, a, that's a, such something. You have to do something. If you do something, you have, you have plenty coming. Yes. God will bless the work of your hand. All the tithes you are giving, will have, you, God will have a place to bring you money through. When God wanted to bless Jacob, he blessed him with what he was doing. Jacob didn't sit at home to be blessed. No. He was working. You have to do something. No matter what it is, do something. Prostitution is not work. Hookup is not work. Scamming is not work. Fraud is not work. Betting is not work. Sugar daddy is not work. Sugar mommy is not work. Escort is not work. <laughs> Hallelujah. He says, let's read from verse 10 to verse If you can put 10 and 11 together for us. Even while we were with you, we gave you this command. Those unwilling to work will not get to eat. Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives. Idle lives. Refusing to work and meddling in other people's business. Anything. No, they are just Only there. Only on social media. Scrolling, scrolling. scrolling, liking things and commenting and all of that. It is not spiritual. It is not a good thing. Hmm? Jesus came and said, My father worketh hitherto and I work. Jesus said, My father is working and I'm also working. Who are you following? Are you following Jesus or are you following yourself? Yes. It's not a good thing. It shouldn't just be there. No, nothing is happening. And expect everything. You want to have the latest iPhone. You want to live in a nice apartment. You want to live in all those things. Yeah. We hear, some, we hear that there are some of you, some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work and meddling in other people's business. The one who is stealing should steal no more. Don't steal anymore. For what purpose? So that you may have. For what purpose? Go back to that place. In Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work. Have you seen it? Use your hands for what? Good, not bad, hard work. Good, hard work. You can say, oh, the hookup is very difficult. It's not easy. It's not, but it's not easy. However, it's not good, hard work. Do you understand? Yes, you are hurting yourself if you don't know. And you are hurting other people. You are hurting other families and all of that. Do you understand? You are, you are an escort. You are hurting someone's wife. If you don't know, I'm telling you. You are hurting, you are breaking the family. You are destroying the children. Yes. It's not a good thing. God doesn't like such things. No matter what the big man is saying, don't, don't, let, don't let your quest to have certain things, your covetousness, allow you to get into all kinds of things. It's not a good thing. Covetousness is equal to idolatry. A Christian who is into covetousness is an idol worshiper. That's what the Bible says. It's all over in the Bible. Every time you see idolatry, you see covetousness. Covetousness, which is idolatry. Can you show us Colossians 3 verse 5? King James, please. We'll read this one. It says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness. Which is idolatry? Covetousness is idolatry. Let's read the NLT. I think it was nice in the NLT. So put to death the simple earthly things lacking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy for a greed. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. Do you see? Greediness. You want something that you cannot buy, you cannot afford. You can't. 
You are ready to do anything to get it. That's covetousness. And covetousness makes you an idol worshiper. You are worshiping the things of this world. Because the Bible instructs us clearly that we shouldn't covet. Covet no man's. Paul said, I have coveted no man's gift or, 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 or wealth. Acts chapter 20, verse, verse 30. Look at Acts 20, 30. 32, please. 33. I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. I have never coveted anybody's anything. Next verse, verse 34. You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who were with me. Have you seen it? My own hands have what? Worked to supply what? My own needs and even the needs of those who were with me. Next verse, verse 35. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. These are scriptures in the Bible. By working hard. Hmm? You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So you work hard in order to be able to give. And that's what he says to the thief. Who is the one who is still in Ephesians chapter 4, where we are reading. He said, covetous is a good thing. Work hard and supply your needs and supply the needs of others. Hmm? Go back to Ephesians, where we are reading. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, if you remember. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work. And then give generously to others in need. It says, work hard. Stop stealing, work hard, and give to others. Like the aim for your wealth is to give to others. To give to the household. Not, not, not to what? Not to hoard. To give to others. To bless other people. To use your wealth to change other people's lives. To help the house of God. You see, it is more blessed to give. The one who gives is blessed than the one who is hoarding. So the reason why God is blessing is so that you can bless other people. God cares about your wealth because he wants you to help others. He wants you to build his church and he wants you to help his children. He wants you to help people who are outside of his church. There was this Muslim. This is a true story that happened just about a month ago. I'm in a certain group and we give for emergencies so i was there and then i got a text i got a call from this man that you know the one we sent every well, i was asking ah, do you still send and he said yes uh-huh. so normally there's another side that we do on a personal level now so this this man called me and said oh there's this muslim girl who has gotten an accident she's gotten into coma and all of that she needs a certain amount of money and we are trying to raise it for her you see she was a muslim she got born again she was neglected so she needs to be taken care of so We've rented for her. We've done these are things we don't know about. I'm just telling you, we've rented for her. We've done this, we've done that, we've done that. And then she had a car crash and went to coma. I know she had a uh, sorry, not a car crash. Another person had a car crash. This one is a different one. This one, she had an asthmatic attack, something like that, and then she went to coma. It was so severe, she went to coma. I don't know how that worked. You know. Now, we sent a lot of money to make sure not I'm not the only one, a number of us. We sent a lot of money to make sure she was fully taken care of. After about three weeks, she came out of the coma. And she's home now. But her sister, who is Muslim, when she came to the hospital and was taking care of their sister, 
notice how all the money that was required, because they didn't have anything, all the money that was required to take care of the girl had been supplied. And when she asked, who is the one paying for these things? They said it was some pastors somewhere. Some pastors somewhere who are paying for this. She got born again immediately. Yes, she got born again immediately. Yes. She said, ah. It means that the church is a good, it's a good place to be. Yes. But if you are sitting in the church and we are all holding, we are not minding anybody. You are seeing someone suffering clearly and you are not minding the person. Clear. The person is hugging you, his armpit is smelling. You will not buy deodorant for the person. You are saying to other people, Child, this boy, don't hug him, his armpit is smelling. Bah. That's what you are doing is wrong. It's not supposed to be like that. If you notice his armpit is smelling, buy him Jojo Rant. Someone said Jojo Rant. Buy him Jojo Rant. Are you in the church? God cares about your health, He cares about your work, so that you can do what He wants you to do. It's so important. Okay? I hope you got that part of the message. Now, let's go to Ephesians chapter 1 once again for a reading. We were in verse 4, right? Even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes, even before you were born. Can we read the King James? According as he has chosen us in him. Before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation. Before everything was made, he chose you. That's how much God knows you and how much God loves you. God has handpicked all of us to be his children. Handpicked. Yes. Handpicked. You are very special. Say to yourself, I'm special. Say it again, I'm special. Tell me, I'm special. Treat me well. Be nice to me. Don't shout at me. Be nice to me. Hmm? Because I'm God's special chosen vessel. Some who are afraid of their neighbors, so they are not saying anything. They are neighbors. Tell me, but I'm not afraid of you. I'm going to talk to you. Yes. We must learn to treat each other well. Do you know, it's, it's, is it, each and everyone sitting here has the Holy Spirit in him or her. If you are born again, the Holy Spirit is there. And the Holy Spirit is what makes anything holy. It's the presence of God that makes a thing holy. The first time holiness or sanctification was used in the Bible was in reference to a day. Not a person, a day. God rested the seventh day. And he sanctified it. Isn't it? Yes. It was a day, the seventh day. Which is Saturday actually, not, not Sunday. So holiness is as a result of the presence of God in a person's life. There were bowls and spoons that were described as holy in the Old Testament. Holiness is not, the opposite of holiness is not sin. The opposite of holiness is commonness. Do you see? Common. It means that that thing is used by every other person. You see, this chair is holy because it is in the house of God. It is used for God's purposes. Do you understand? That's why you shouldn't put you in gum and diet. You put chewing gum, chewing gum, chewing gum, chewing gum, chewing gum. Or you put your legs on it and then you are relaxing. No, it's not supposed to be like that. You have to be careful. Okay? Bowls were described as holy. Furniture was described as holy in the Old Testament because the presence, the presence of God had come on those things. When someone gets born again, the presence of God comes into the person and it makes that person holy. It makes that person anointed. If you read in 1 John 
chapter 2, verse 20. The Bible says that you have an unction from the Holy One. First John 2.20, King James. But you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. Have you seen it? The, the word unction means anointing. So all of us have an anointing. Tell me about you, you're anointed. Tell me about you're anointed. Go to verse 27. You will see another one in verse 27. But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you. And you, have need, you, you need not that any man teach you. Have you seen it? But as I see my anointing teacheth you of all things, and it's truth, and it's not no lie, and even as I taught you, you shall abide in him. So there's an anointing that is in you. Tell me about there's an anointing that is in you. And you know all things. Yes. You are anointed. Now, how I handle you is how I handle anointing. If I'm rude to you, and if I'm wicked to you, and if I maltreat you, I'm actually maltreating the anointing. Hello? That is why the Bible even talks about those who are serving us. The Bible talks about those who serve us in our homes, who are Christians, and how we must treat them. If you are paying for the person to stay with you, it doesn't mean that you can slap the person, shout at the person, and do whatever you want to do with the person. If the person is a Christian, you are actually handling the anointing in your house. And you have to be very careful how you handle the anointing. If you handle the anointing wrongly, you have no right to have it working in your life on a certain level. So you have to be careful how you do with each other. How we treat each other. Because every one of us is chosen by God. Everyone is a child of God. Chosen by God. And hence must be treated well. Treated with respect. Treated with dignity. Treated with a certain kind of value. Okay? Look at Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2, 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Have you seen it? Let's read Amplified of this verse. Do nothing from factional motives, through contentiousness, strife, selfishness. Do nothing through contentiousness, and factional motives, through contentiousness, through strife, selfishness, or for unworthy ends. Unworthy ends. Or prompted by conceit and empty arrogance. Have you seen it? Instead, in the true spirit of humility, loneliness of mind, let each regard the others as better than and superior to himself. So when I'm treating, when I'm relating you, I feel you are better than me. I have to handle you well. The fact that I'm the one holding the microphone does not mean that I'm better than everybody. No, I'm not. Humility will fly out of the window if you think like that. Because you are a reverend minister, now everybody should go away. You are made a reverend. So everybody now, you are bigger than... That's, if you didn't understand what it meant to be a Christian and what it meant to be a servant of God. A servant of God is one who serves. You are serving. Jesus said that, am I not you? Don't you call me Lord and Master. But I'm among you as one who serves. I'm washing your feet and I'm doing nice things for you. He says, treat each other like that. The way for people to know that we are Christians is when we have love one for another. How we treat each other matters. You want the anointing to work in your life, you have to treat people well. The key to making the anointing work in your life is treating people well. What's the anointing for? The anointing is to help people. So if you hate people, then what? or if you don't like some people, you can choose. I like these people, I don't like this one. I don't like how this one looks. I don't. What are you talking about? It's not right. Everybody is handpicked, chosen by God, and must be treated with a certain level of dignity. Yes, very high. Hmm? Oh, you don't like my message?
let each regard the others as better than and superior to himself, thinking more highly of one another than you do of yourselves. Verse 4. Still in the, in the Amplified. Let each of you esteem and look upon, upon and be concerned for not merely his own interests, but also each for the interests of others. Then he starts talking about Jesus and his example of humility. The most anointed of all. The anointing. When the anointing and the anointed came, he came to come and said, to the point of dying, how much more you who, what are you talking about? Look at verse 5. Let this same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example of humility. But we are called to be humble. We are not called to be proud. You can't be spoken to. People can't come close to you. You can't be related to you. Can't. It's not correct. You see, I mean, I, I say it as I say, this is how I am. This is how I am. What, what do you mean by this is how I am? That is what I'm coming to talk about. The fact that you think that this is how you are. No, it's not correct. You are not supposed to be like that. There's, some, there's someone you're supposed to look like. Okay? Someone you're supposed to look like. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Treat each other well. I care how much those under me are paid. Yes. I care about it. I want to treat them well. Because if the anointing is going to work in my life, it depends on how I'm treating those who are with me. I shouldn't be expecting loyalty from them when I'm not loyal to them. You see, loyalty is both ways. You be loyal to the people, they'll also be loyal to you. Teach them how to be loyal, but you also have to be loyal. The anointing will not work in your life the way it's supposed to. If you don't learn to treat people right, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing good? Doing good for what? Animals and trees? For the road and for the lakes and the stars? Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus Christ of, Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing good? He was doing good things for people. And healing people. Healing all that were oppressed with the devil. For God was with him. So if God is with you, what you do is to help people. You help. You are into changing lives. You are into blessing lives. That's, what, that's, that's the will of God for your life. We have to prepare one another. Very important. Okay? Okay, so go back to Ephesians chapter 1. We're reading verse 4. Oh, I'm chosen. I'm just sharing with you my meditation. If you, if you are chosen, someone else is also chosen. You get it? Yeah? Someone else. That's why you have to learn to meditate on the word of God. One verse can let you go to many other verses. Yes. Chosen. King James, please. I'll tell you when I want you to go to NLT. King James. According as chosen as him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Verse 5. Then he, say, he, lets, you, he lets us know something very powerful he says having god has predestinated us god predestinated us unto the adoption of children by jesus christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will so god has a will you see and he, th th this particular will is what brings him good pleasure like he gets excited when he thinks about this particular thing there are many things that the bible talks about as the will of god okay one of them is found in um, 
First Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Next verse. Who will have all men? Our God our Savior has a will. And this is one of his wills. His will is that all men must be saved. God wills that all men are saved. So you can write this as one of the will of God. All men. Tell me about all men. Must be saved. It's the will of God. You want to know the will of God for your life? The will of God for your life. One of the main things God wants for your life. Okay. Is that you, through you all men will be saved. <laughs> your generation will be saved. Through you. He wills that all men to be saved. Number one. And then number two. He wills that all men come to the knowledge of the truth. He wants all, everybody to come to the knowledge of the truth. So if I spend my life making sure I'm best coming to the knowledge of the truth, I'm fulfilling God's will for my life. If I spend my life bringing salvation to other people, I'm, I'm doing what God wants me to do. Are you in the church? These are two very important aspects of God's will. Then there's a third one, which is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. He says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you is that you give, you give thanks. So thanksgiving is God's will for your life. Not sighing and murmuring and complaining, but learning to give, to give thanks. Learning to walk in a lifestyle of thanksgiving. Not a lifestyle of complaining. Things may not be working, but he says he wants you to give thanks. His will concerning your life is that you give thanks. Do you like what I'm telling you? That's what the Bible says. It's a counter joy when you go through diverse tests. You may be going through a lot of things, but you should learn to give thanks in the midst of the problems. Actually, one of the main things that happens as a result of the infinite of the Spirit is thanksgiving. Ephesians chapter, chapter 5, verse 18. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and, sing, uh, and, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Have you seen it? Speaking, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Verse, verse uh, 20. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Put 19 and 20 together. If it's from verse 18, he mentions that be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, when you are filled with the Spirit, this is what happens to you. How do we know if someone is filled with the Spirit? We can tell if someone is filled with the Spirit or not. Number one, the person will speak to himself in psalms and hymns. When you see the person, you see that the person is joyful. The person is happy. He's always singing to the Lord. There's a song playing in his heart. You may, if you get close, you may hear him humming a song. Not, hmm. 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 this life. Ekufado has made things so difficult. And Baumia says he's coming. We are in trouble. Not that one. Ha. This lecturer. It's too wicked. I'll never forgive him my life. There used to be a particular place in Confanoche where students are known to pray. And when you go there, you hear their prayers. Medical school people, you hear their prayers. 
You heard them mentioning lecturers' names. There were two names that were mentioned at that time. But I won't mention those names. Yes. They have cursed them. They have done all kinds. But the people, they are not dying. They are fine. Everything is okay. Yeah. Always remember that all authority is from God. Including your lecturer's authority. Yeah. Your lecturer's authority is also from God. Yes. So don't curse him. Because you also become a lecturer very soon. And you also do the right thing. You also want people to do the right thing. And they will curse you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> Go back to Ephesians chapter 5. Yes. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and, and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. The person is filled with the Spirit. He sings to the Lord. He's grateful for everything. Everything. Then he says, giving thanks always, not sometimes, always. All the time. This is the will of God for our life in Christ Jesus. Give thanks. You don't have money, give thanks. You have money, give thanks. You are not feeling well, give thanks. You are feeling well, give thanks. You want to know the will of God for your life? Thanksgiving. Joy. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink. If you are in the kingdom of God, it's not, it's not about food. Eat this, don't eat that, eat that, we do eat this. No, that's not what the kingdom of God is about. It says the kingdom of God is actually about righteousness. And it's about peace. It's about the peace of God. How God has brought us into oneness with God. Then it says it's also about joy in the Holy Ghost. Are you born again? Are you filled with the Spirit? Joy in the Holy Ghost. Never sad. No matter what's going on. Count it all joy when you go through diversity. There are things we go through, isn't it? There are wild things. Haven't you gone through anything in your life? In this world, you shall have what? Many troubles. As for the troubles, they are there. But he tells you what to do. He says that, give thanks. And my, this is James 1, 2. Go to James 1, 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. You fall into diverse temptations. When you fall into problems. Many temptations, many issues. He says, count it all joy. Thank God. Thank God that this person left you. Thank God that this person broke your heart. Thank God that the business deal did not work. You never know. Maybe it would have been the end of your life. Hmm? You label the joys. Joy number one. This guy left me. You write it down. Joy number two. The contract. This contract did not work. You write it down. Joy number three. I got bounced. A visa. You write it. Joy number four. <laughs> Joy number four. What? I was what? I was quashed. They quashed me. Is it quashed or quashed? Quashed. They quashed me. Who brought that word? We don't know. They took my phone on the road to Damascus. This is the will of God for your life. I don't know if you were thinking I was going to talk about this one. This is the will of God for your life. The will of God is that you give thanks. Hmm? All the time. Yes. The, the fuel for thanksgiving is remembrance. The fuel for thanksgiving is what? Remembrance. 
Remember how good God has been to you in the midst of all the problems. At least you are not dead. Isn't it? Remember. Remember how you did something wrong and you were not punished for it. Remember how you stole something and you're not, you were not caught. Remember how good God has been to you. Find it. Find a reason to give thanks to God. Find a reason. Why? Because the way for the blessings of God to rest upon your life and for it to show forth in your life is to give thanks. Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 19 is a very popular scripture. And out of them shall proceed thanksgivings. Hmm? And the voice of them that make merry. And I will multiply them. It says, out of them shall proceed what? Thanksgiving. And the voice of them that make merry. Thanksgiving. Voice of them that make merry. Thanksgiving and merrymaking. Merrymaking. Praising God. You'll be shocked. How many times you find praising God in the, in the New Testament. Giving glory to God or giving thanks or giving praise to God. So many, you'll be shocked. So many, it's, it's uncountable. It's all over the place. As you do that, it says, and I will multiply them. When you do that, you are multiplied. When Jesus had the five loaves and the two fishes, what did he do? Did he cry about what he had? No. He didn't cry about what he had. So stop crying. You've been crying for a long time. You've been crying about the things that you have lost, the things that didn't work. You've been, you are remembering the wrong things. I'm not the one saying it's in the Bible. He had five loaves, two fishes. What did he do? He gave thanks. The way to bless anything is to give thanks. To bless means to give thanks. That's what it means. Hmm? John 6, 11. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set, set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. Next verse. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together twelve and filled twelve baskets eh, with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. He fed five thousand by giving thanks. Five, he, he did what? What did he do? He fed five thousand. Hmm? 5,000 by just giving thanks. So you must learn to give thanks. The little you have will multiply if you learn to give thanks. You must learn it. It's the will of God for your life. You want to know the will of God for your life? I just told you. Give thanks. Do you understand what I'm saying? Give thanks. Give thanks. Give thanks. Give thanks. Give thanks. Give thanks. Tell you about give thanks. Give thanks, give thanks, give thanks for, everything. for everything. You see, and the amazing thing is that the Bible says for all things. It says for all things and in all things. The one in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, says giving thanks always for all things. Have you seen it? 
giving thanks always for all things. So giving thanks for even the bad things. Giving thanks for what? How many times? Always. Always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So even the bad things. Can you mention the bad things and say, thank you, Father, that this happened? Your change will come if you start mentioning that. I don't know if you like what I'm telling you. The way you are quiet, I feel like I'm saying something bad. I'm not saying anything bad. You failed the exam. Thank God that you failed the exam. Mention it. Thank you, Father, that I failed this exam. Yes. I'm grateful. You're just fulfilling the scriptures. You're just fulfilling the scriptures. Ephesians chapter 5. Giving thanks for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. For all things. For all things. For what? For all things. That's a difficult side. For all things. It's very difficult. For all things. Hallelujah. It's a difficult thing. Giving thanks for all things. Then the one in Thessalonians says in all things. So Thessalonians, now you can show us. Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 6. It says in everything. In the midst of the thing. So one is after the thing has happened. And one is during the happening. When the thing is happening. Which is even more difficult to do. Isn't it? Your heart has been broken. Your husband has left you. One of your children has had a problem. But you are giving thanks in the midst of the problem. This is the will of God for your life. I'm not the one saying. How many of you want to know the will of God for your life? It's here. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ. You don't need the explanation. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning. If you are in Christ Jesus, this is God's will for your life. Give thanks. Give thanks. In the midst of the problem. And also for the problem. Because your glorification is in, is in giving thanks. Back to Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 19. And out of them, out of them shall proceed. Like it has to be, you know, it's, a, it's a heart set. And it comes out of your heart. I'm grateful Lord. Thank you Jesus. I'm grateful for all these things. I see your hand. I see your hand in everything. Because remember, remember, go to Jeremiah 29, the chapter before this, 29 verse 11. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. For I know the thoughts I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. NLT. NLT. For I know the plans I have for you. God has plans for you. Tell you, but God has plans for you. In his will, there are plans. And the plans, it says, it says, they are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. To give you a future, to give you an expected end, to give you a good end. So it will end in victory. Don't, never, if, if you are crying and you are wailing and you've been wailing for five years about the same thing that happened some years ago, it's going to be a problem. It means you're not ready. You grow because it's not going to work. You get confused. 
For I know that thoughts in the, the plans I have for you. Yes, says the Lord. They are plans for good. You never see Isaac complaining when they were covering his father's wells as he redug them. You know that? Isaac, you know Isaac yeah. in the Bible. Isaac was redigging his father's wells, his father Abraham's well, the wells that were owned by his father. And people, the, the people were covering it. Okay? They came to sack him. When he digs, they come and sack him. When he digs, they come and sack him. When they come, it, you never see a place where it's like he's sitting there and he's complaining. Oh Lord, I don't know why you have chosen to neglect me. There was nothing like that. Hmm? Genesis 26, verse 18. And Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. Next verse. And Isaac's servants dig in the valley and found there a well of springing water. And the headmen of Gerard did this tribe with Isaac's headmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of the well Essek because they strove with him. And they digged another well. He didn't sit down and say, it's finished. I've used all my resources to do this. No. When you don't give thanks, you can't find a way out. You see, this was not the original place we, we were coming to. This place, this location, was not the original place where the church was going to be relocated. Yeah, We saved money, huge amount of money, to go and buy a land somewhere. The money, we can't find it up to date. Yeah, because the one who was selling the land to us was not correct, and we didn't know. He took the money, and we didn't have the land. I was even arrested twice or something like that. Twice. Pastor Lee and Pastor Anthony had to spend the night behind bars because we're trying to, we're trying to do something for the Lord. You see, you are sitting here comfortably. People have struggled and suffered for it to exist. That's what a father does. A father tries to push for things to happen that you may not even know about. Hello? You don't need to know. You don't need to know. It's not by force. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't let that become our... Like, it's finished. We, would not, we tried this and it didn't work. And we, we've not spoken... I don't remember the last time we spoke about it. We've not, we've not spoken about it. Forgotten about it. Let's move on. Where else can we go? When we started thanking God, God gave us an opportunity. Yes. And give us more money than that one. In that moment, God told me, you are like the ocean. God told me that. You are like the ocean. I was listening to Pastor Chris preach. And as he was preaching, he said, can someone take something from you? You know Pastor Chris, an anointed man of God. Pa. Yeah. He's a man of the Spirit. You, a man of the Spirit, full of the Holy Ghost, you are like the ocean. Nobody can steal from you and successfully, and, and steal successfully from you. Like, take everything from Nobody can take everything from you. Nobody can. Yes. What, whatever they take from you, 100 is coming. You are like the, just imagine trying to steal from, steal water from the ocean. You want to steal water from the, be taking water from the ocean for yourself. How long can you go? The ocean never finishes. It's raining in it every day. Every day it's raining in the ocean. Every day it rains in the ocean if you don't know. Yes. It will never, it will never finish. Are you in the church you have gone home? See, I'm like the ocean. So don't look at the things that you have lost. I lost this, I lost that. It's finished. No, no, no. Give thanks. Give thanks. And out of them shall proceed thanksgiving. And the voice of them that may make merry. And I will multiply them. And they shall not be few. I will also glorify them. 
and they shall not be small. And the issue of thanksgiving is even more crucial when you look at Malachi. Look at Malachi chapter, Malachi chapter 2, verse 1. And now, O you priests, this commandment is for you. Verse 2. And you shall know that if you will not hear, and if you will not lay to heart, to give glory unto my name, see the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you. And I will curse your blessings. Yeah, I have cursed them already because you do not lay them to heart. It says, if you will not hear, and if you will not lay it to heart, to give glory unto my name, to thank me, if you will not thank me, it says, I will even curse your, send a curse upon you. And I will curse your blessings. Your blessings are cursed. I seen it. It's crucial. Oh, this is Old Testament. Jesus, Jesus spoke about it when he came. One day Jesus healed ten lepers. They all got healed. As they were going, one remembered that he had to come and say thank you. And he came back to come and say thank you. The Bible says that he fell at Jesus' feet, shouting and giving glory to Jesus. Saying thank you to Jesus. Can you show us that verse? As he was thanking him, Jesus said, Were there not ten that were healed? Where are the nine? Is it only the stranger? Because the guy was a Samaritan. Samaritan. The guy was a Samaritan. He wasn't a, a Jew. He was a Samaritan. He was a mixed breed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. With a loud voice glorified God. It's the whole of God for your life. Loud voice. And fell down on his, at, on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was the Samaritan. He was giving Jesus thanks. And Jesus said, ah. Next verse. Were there not ten cleansed? Meaning that he was expecting it. He was expecting it. He was expecting a thank you from them. God is expecting a thank you from you. Yes, for everything. For the shoes you are wearing. For the clothes you are wearing. Someone went to a barbering shop and never came back. Because there was a cat and he bled to death. Yeah. Yeah. You went to a barbering shop, you came back safe and sound. You went to give birth, you came back safe and sound. Hey, you should be thanking God. Don't become, you see, Jesus mentioned, he said, were there not, were there not ten? How come only nine, one has come? Where are the nine? Next verse 18. They are not found that return to give glory to God. Save the stranger. Except the stranger. He was not happy. Then he said to the guy, next verse. And he said unto him, arise, go thy way. Thy faith has made thee whole. The guy received wholeness. They had been blessed though. But wholeness had not come. Meaning that you never know he can return. Are you seeing it? The nine were Jews. They were familiar with God. They were familiar with God doing things for them. They were too entitled. Yeah, so whatever God did, it's one of those things. Give thanks. Be dangerous in your thanksgiving. It's the will of God for, for your life. Tell anybody, it's the will of God for your life. Give thanks like you are mad. Yeah, give thanks strong. Yeah. Strongly. I've even cursed your blessings. If you not lay to hearts to give glory to my name, that's a problem. The main thing I want to share with you is with the second one. The second will. The first will is all, all souls to be saved. The, se- the second one is for them to come to the knowledge of the truth. And then the third one is giving thanks, isn't it? I'm, I'm just identifying, it's more, but I'm just, I'm just identifying these three main ones. Okay? I feel these are the three main ones. 
Okay, now, so I want to talk about this message is actually about number two, not about number three. Okay? This is a good thing. God wills that all men be saved and also come to the knowledge of the truth. The knowledge of the truth. Now, who is truth or what is truth? Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Jesus is truth. So there's a knowledge. God's will for you is that you come to the knowledge of his will. Now, it's, it's the same thing that is expressed in Ephesians chapter 1, where I was reading to you earlier, um, verse 5 and verse 6. It is having predestination as unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. There's the, God has a will, but there's the good pleasure of it. There's the will that brings him good pleasure. Please, you get it? Like when it comes to this particular one, God is excited about it. Hmm? Next verse, verse, verse 6. This will is to the praise of the glory of his grace. When this particular will, when you are walking in this particular will of God, God gets praise. And it is a praise that is, it says, to the praise of the glory of his grace. His grace, okay, is glorified as you live in line with this particular will of God for your life. I hope you get it. This will of God brings God good pleasure. God is excited when he sees that. Apart from that, it also bring, glorifies his grace in your life. It brings praises to the glory, the beauty of his grace. Now, what is that will? I, I, that's what I'm telling you. Go back to verse 5. He shows us in verse 5. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by, by Jesus Christ to himself. And he did it according to the good pleasure of his will. So there's a destination. There's a predestination. God has predestinated you. When you left your house, you knew where you were going to, right? You left your house this morning. What were you coming to? You are coming to church, right? Okay, so he says that this particular will... Like when God, when God sees, he becomes very excited. And this particular will brings glory to his, pray, to, to his grace. There's plenty joy and plenty celebration about how good God is when you walk in this particular will of God. And that will is that God has predestinated us. Before, like I said, before you left your house, you had a destination. You knew you were coming to church. You didn't stop at Agogwa Junction. You didn't stop at KFC. You didn't stop, if you were coming from Kitas, you didn't stop at uh, Pantine Junction. No, you, you knew where you were going to. You were coming to church. Is that not so? So it means that before you left your house, you had a predestination. You knew a destination you were going to before you left. When we say predestination, what we, what we mean is that God has a particular location, a particular place, a particular thing, that he wants for you before you were even born. Now, what is it? It says it's the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. Now, what does it mean? The word adoption here does not mean the, the Greek word is heotasia. Okay, it's spelled H. Let me spell it well for you so that if just in case you are interested in the Greek word, God has a predestiny, He has decided before you even came. Hmm? So heotasia is spelled U-I. I was spelling it the English way. 
but the Greek way is U I H O U I H O T H E S I. U I H O T H E S I. U I H O T H E S I. Have you seen it? Now, this is what it means. It means to have biological children. Children you are giving birth to yourself. As a king. Okay? And you've decided to train them to become kings. Just like you. The art of choosing them and training them to become kings like you is the act is called adoption. That's a Greek word. Is the art of a king choosing his biological sons. You see, I'm saying biological sons because in our time, when we say adoption, it means that you brought someone who you didn't give birth to. It's not biological to you, to your house, to raise or to help him grow. Do you get it? Uh-huh. But that's not the, the word adoption in the Bible. The word adoption here is a king who has given birth to his own children, biological children. That he has chosen to raise, to train, to become kings like him. So Solomon will say, I was my father's son. And tender and only beloved in my mother's. Can you show us that verse? Ah, verse chapter 4. For I was my father's son. Ah, was Solomon not his father's biological son? Uh-huh. Solomon was referring to something higher than being biological son to the father. He was referring to the fact that he had become, he, had, he was the one, the father chose to make king. The father had several sons. David had about 18 sons or so. There were a lot. So many sons. We only know of Solomon, Absalom, Adonijah, and then, uh, who's the other guy? Amnon. The guy who raped the sister. Uh-huh. That, those are the people we know. Because they did something uh, good or bad, any of them. But he had other sons. Now, out of all the sons that David had biologically, David chose Solomon, Jedidah, to train to become king in his stead. So the art of choosing one and training to become king in your stead is the art of adoption. So Solomon said, I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He was talking about how he was chosen by the father to be the one to replace him. Next verse. Verse 4. He taught me also. He says, my father started teaching me the way of kings. He taught me also and said unto me, let thine heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and live. Then he goes on and on. The whole of Proverbs is counsel from his father, how he was raised to think and how he was trained to watch women. Chapter 1 to chapter 8 is women. But if he didn't, he didn't mind. And they, it led him to his destruction. You know that, right? Yes. All the things he was taught, he didn't, the first part, he didn't hear any of them. The developmental side, working hard, he remembered all of that. When he came to them, he was like, no. This one is too much. Not lie. Yeah. And his many wives led him astray. You, you've read your Bible, right? That's why it's dangerous. Okay, let's... let's. First Kings 17, 1, I believe. Ah, 11. But King Solomon loved many strange women. Try not to love a strange woman. 
Meanwhile, Proverbs chapter 1 to chapter 8 is about a strange woman. Isn't it? Uh, he couldn't hear that one. He loved many. He didn't love one. Many strange women, I tell you. Multiverse of strange women. <laughs> hey, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites. I tell you, squad, a whole squad. Now, this is the problem. This is the problem. Of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, you shall not go into them. Neither shall ye, shall they come in unto you. For surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. He was in love. Listen. When we tell you, be careful who you are dating. And be careful who you are. You think it's a joke. Listen, the Bible says, for surely. God said it. For surely they will turn away your heart after their God. Surely. It's sure. That's why you shouldn't marry a lady who doesn't know the Lord. Hmm? No matter how big his hips are. Her hips are, I mean. Her hips. No matter the size of the hips. No matter the breast size. Maybe you like big breasts. And you have seen this girl with uh, big ones, watermelons. Wagadus and Yagadus. So it's like, oh, this is it. When we're advising you, are not minding. You have to be careful. Someone who loves God, honestly, oh, someone who does what? You will not be in the world. She'll remove you from the world of God like this. You'll be shocked. Women are powerful. Wives are super powerful. Women are what? But wives are super powerful. Yeah. I tell you, your wife can change your life completely. For the good or for the bad. Yeah. <laughs> we say we are the head. Because guys, if you marry, you become the head of a wife. You are the head. All the senses are in the head. Sense of seeing, sense of smell, sense of taste, hearing, touch. Everything is in the head. But the lady is the neck down. If the head is going to look here, it depends on the neck and the turning of the body. You, the head, you say, let's look here. She will say, no, we are looking here. And then you will see where, 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 who has power. You say, let's give tight. She will say, what are you talking about? What is it? That's why you might fall in love with someone who loves God. Someone who obeys God and believes as you believe. You'll be speaking in tongues. Abba, 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 abba. Hey, what is that? I'm praying. Lie down, lie down. <laughs> You'll be shocked. <laughs> You'll be shocked that you will have to lie down. Yeah. Don't play with what I'm telling you. Very important. The problem is with loving strange women. You see a young guy, nice, nice person in church. You ask him, Where is your, who is your one you are looking for? So I'm looking for somebody who is a... Uh, She's in Afghanistan. I saw her on social media. We are relating. Power. We are flowing. There's something wrong. You see a guy, a lady, beautiful lady in the church. She's growing. She's doing everything. Everything is working. What's going on with your, with your relationship? Oh, I've seen a guy. The person is not in the house of God. The person is not under authority. If you marry a guy who's not under authority, you are in trouble. You are what? Something happened during the week. Something very, very critical happened during the week. 
because the lady was under authority, it was very easy to do it. Yeah. Just, as, just a statement. No, do it like this. That was it. Yeah. The guy had done something very bad. I don't know what you're thinking. But <laughs> you don't need to know. He had done something very bad. And the lady didn't know about it. She had not known about it for five years. And it has come up after five years. Yes. But because the lady is under authority, I'm sure she's around. Because it's under authority, it was very easy to do it. It's not a problem at all. Yeah. It's not a problem at all. You marry someone who's under authority, you will see. Yeah. No, but she can't hear anybody, including her mother and her father. All mothers and fathers, they don't have much authority in their children's lives. Or you don't know. No. You need someone who is spiritual, loves God, knows God, who can tell your daughter, shut up and sit down, and will shut up and sit down. I'm praying for a pastor for my, my children. Pastors for my children. Because I can't pass, can pass out my children. They will not even mind me. Yeah, they, don't, they will know me. They know me. Now that I can chip in, but I'm not the one to pastor them. Yeah. That's when we bring our, our children to the children's ministry. You have to take it seriously. The children's ministry people. You have to take, take it seriously and help them. Because they are your responsibility. It's not my responsibility. They are your responsibility. <laughs> you are my responsibility, but they are your responsibility. It's not my responsibility. You don't teach them. The Lord will, the Lord will ask you. Yeah. My Sunday school teachers are responsible for what I am now. Yeah, so I appreciate them. Pa. They are not easy. Yes, They train me well. Watch out for a lady who doesn't love the Lord. A lady who is shaky. And even pray about it even when she loves the Lord. Pray about it. Don't just say, oh, she loves the Lord. Whatever. You'll be shocked. She will stop loving the Lord after some time. It will just be for three years. I know one that lasted for three months. Yes. It was the guy, rather. The guy loved God for three months. After three months, that was it. He's been doing his own thing out to date. Yes, yes, yes. Why did we get here? What, what happened? What were you talking about? No, before Solomon. What were you talking about? Adoption. Uh-huh. Adoption. Adoption. Remember adoption. Say adoption. What is adoption? In biblical terms. A king picking his son or choosing his son, his biological children, and training or raising them to become kings like him. Do you get it? That is the will, the will of God for your life. The primary will of God for your life is that you will be raised and trained to become like his son, Jesus Christ, in thoughts, in character, in attitude, in actions, in speech, in behavior, in all things. And that's written in Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For whom he did foreknow. It says all those he did foreknow. All those that God foreknew, knew beforehand. And chose beforehand. Okay? Remember, in Ephesians 1, 5, we said that he, all those he chose, he predestinated. It's the same thing he's saying here. It says for all those that God did foreknow, he also did predestinate. He gave a destination before they started the journey. And the destination is that they are to be conformed to the image of a son. So that his son might be the firstborn among many brethren. Who is the son? Jesus Christ. Talking about Jesus Christ. He wants us to conform to the image of Jesus. This is the will of God that brings him good pleasure. And the will of God that brings praise to the glory of his grace. As you conform to the image of Jesus Christ. In thoughts. In speech. In action. In behavior. Eh? 
in all aspects of your life, God becomes very excited. It is his greatest pleasure. It's a will that brings in greatest pleasure. That you are becoming more like his son. Now, remember, biblically speaking, the Bible says that we are, we are like him. 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world, isn't it? So we are, we are like him. Internally, in our spirits, our, there's no difference between our spirit and Jesus' spirit. The, that's what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. He that is joined to the Lord, he that is joined to the Lord. Who is our Lord? Jesus Christ. Jesus, is Jesus not our Lord? Yeah. We declare Jesus the Lord of our lives. No be so. He says, he that is joined to the Lord Jesus Christ is actually one spirit with him. So we have become one spirit with Jesus. Our spirit man is just like Jesus' spirit man. There's no difference by the grace of God. Now, God wants what is inside to come outside. He wants the, in, the inner man to show forth in the outer, in the outer man. He wants your thoughts to be like Jesus' thoughts. He wants your actions to be like Jesus' actions. That is God's aim. God's aim is for you to conform. Do you understand the word conform? Can you help us with the dictionary meaning? For he, whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to conform. This amplified. Amplified says, for those whom he foreknew, of whom he was aware and loved beforehand. You see, saying it the same way in Ephesians, right? Do you remember? He, all those that he loved like that beforehand, he also destined from the beginning, foreordaining them to be molded into the image of his son and share inwardly his likeness. This one says share, but this has happened. Inward likeness has been done already. It's actually outward likeness that he might become the first among many brethren. Have you seen it? So this one is saying to be molded into the image. What does conform mean? To be in agreement or harmony. To be in agreement or harmony. Or to, harmony. To be obedient or compliant. To be obedient or compliant, right? To, uh -huh. to act in accordance with prevailing standards or customs. To act in accordance to the prevailing standards or customs. To act the same way he acts. Talk the same way he talks. Not by mimicking. Not by checking, okay, what will Jesus do? That's what he's talking about. Be for it to become your automatic response. Your automatic response to a slap is to turn the other cheek. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Oh, you didn't hear me? This will of God for you to conform to the image of the Son outwardly. You see, likeness is inward. Image is outward. When we talk about likeness, likeness is in reference to the inward nature. And then image. So when the Bible says Adam was made in the image and likeness of God, he's talking about the, the inward and outward of God. Do you get it? Uh-huh. What did I say? Image is outward and likeness is... No. Likeness is outward and image is inward. Primarily inward, sorry. Okay? Because if you read in Romans chapter, chapter uh, 5, verse 12, no, let's look at Romans 8, verse, verse 1 and 2. There is therefore no, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. 
verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of death, sin and death. Then verse 3 says, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak to the flesh, God sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, not in the image of sinful flesh. So Jesus did not come in the image of sinful flesh. In other words, he didn't have sin inside him. You get it? In the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. So when Jesus had sin put on him, sin was not mingled with the spirit. It was in his flesh. Jesus was crucified. <laughs> his flesh was made to contain our sin. Jesus' flesh could contain our Not his spirit. Even in the Old Testament, the image that is, the symbolism that is given to us in the Old Testament of the, the sin sacrifice, the sacrifice for sin, okay? The inwards of the bowl that was used as a sin offering was used. His blood, his blood was used. And its inwards, the fat in the inward was also used, was bent as a holy thing to God. But the flesh is what was destroyed. Maybe next week we can talk about it some more. I just said it will let you help you understand image and likeness. Jesus was sent in the likeness of sinful flesh, not in the image of sinful flesh. So we are talking about you becoming, you looking like Christ every in your mind. He's using image in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, because he's talking about some portions of your inwards, because your 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 soul is not saved. Do you know your soul is not saved? Your spirit man is saved, but your soul is not saved. Your soul is being saved. When you allow the, the word of God to take absolute control by your soul, then your soul is saved. Your soul is saved as you hear the word of God. James 1 verse 20. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Your anger does not work the righteousness of God. So stop being angry. Tell me, but stop being angry. Your anger does not bring righteousness. Next verse. Verse 21. Wherefore lay apart this is because of that, because your anger does not bring the righteousness of God or does not allow you to live in the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Have you seen it? He's letting you know, it's like your soul is not saved. He says, receive the word of God. Can we read the NLT of this verse, verse 21, please? So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives, and humbly accept the word of God, the word God has planted in your heart. For it, is, it has the power to save your souls. So the word of God saves your soul, which is inward. I see in it. Uh -huh. So he wants your soul to be conformed to the image of the son. And it will affect your thoughts. And affect your speech. And affect your actions. Affect your behavior. Affect everything, your character, every single thing about you. That, that particular thing happening is God's greatest desire. Yes, that's the good pleasure of his will. And that's what brings praise to his great glory. It brings praise to the glory of his grace. Yes. God is very excited when you treat your neighbor well. The way Jesus treats that person. Oh yes. God is super excited when you treat your wife well. Treat her like Jesus would treat her. God is super pleased. When instead of stealing, you have the opportunity to steal, you return that particular thing to the other person. 
the one it belongs to. You found you didn't say it's miracle money or miracle mobile phone or miracle car. He said, oh, it's for, it's for, it's for him. Let me take it back to him. God wants to train you and raise you. Every, it's all over in the Bible. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And God gave some. He's talking about Jesus and his gifts. Okay, he says, when Jesus died and rose again, he gave gifts unto men. Go to verse 8. Wherefore, you see, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. So God, Jesus gave gifts when he came from the, the grave. What are the gifts he gave? The first gift he gave is verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some, and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. He gave all these people for the purpose of perfecting the saints, maturing or equipping, not mature, equipping the saints. The word perfect means to equip. Equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, for the build-up of the body of Christ. He wants everybody to do the work of the ministry for the purpose of everybody that helping to build up the body of Christ. This is God's greatest aim. Okay, next verse. Then he says, till we all come in the unity of the oneness of the faith and come to the knowledge of the Son of God. He wants us to have knowledge of the Son. Who is the Son of God? Jesus Christ. He wants all of us to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. The full knowledge of Jesus Christ. Where you're, you, every move is Christ. <laughs> what I'm preaching to you is the foundation of our ministry. It's a foundation. This is the vision of our church. That Christ will be all and in all. Christ will be all in your actions, in your thoughts, in everything. Motiv- every motivation is the motivation of Jesus. So we all come in the nature of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. And he's talking about Jesus. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus. He wants all of us to come to the fullness of the stature, fullness, to, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. NLT of this verse. This will continue until we all come to such unity in one in our faith and knowledge of God's Son. That will be God's Son. That will be mature in the that will be mature in the sorry, that will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Have you seen it? Or oh, I didn't read it right. This will continue until we we all, all of us come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. All of us, everybody. God wants all of us to mature. This is what, when we say spiritual growth, this is what you are talking about. Where your soul is conformed to be like Jesus' soul. Same thing. You talk like him. You think like him. You react like him. You live like him. Every time in your in your outward living, in your experiential living, it's just like him. That is why the reason for the preaching of your internal looking like him, or the grace of God, what he has done, he did all that he did for you to look like him so that you can look like him outward. Out, the reason for righteousness is so that you can have this in your life. The reason for his grace is so that you can have this in your life. The reason for sharing his faith with you is so that you can have this in your life. The reason for uh, uh, he lavishing his love on you is so that you can walk and live the way. I think you're interested in what I'm saying. Love it. Live the way he wants you to live. And have the reason for his prosperity, telling you that he has made you rich, is so that you live his prosperous life here on earth. Live his life of health here on earth. Live his life of goodness here on earth. That, this, is, this is the reason. Go to um, Ephesians chapter 2, verse... Um, Verse 8. 
For by grace are you saved. Through faith. This is how salvation comes. Grace makes salvation available and faith takes what grace has made available. This is the gospel. Jesus makes, has made, God has made a lot of things available in Christ through his grace. Then you, by faith, the faith he has given to you, make real what he has made available to you in your life practically. So everything in Christianity functions like this. Grace and then faith. So his grace makes it available. There's nothing you can do to make it available. Everything has made available because of Jesus' sacrifice. Now, he has given you faith so that you can have that happen in your life practically. Do you get it? And that not of yourselves is the gift of God. Verse, verse 9. Then he says, not of works. Salvation is not of works. There's nothing that you can do to earn it. There's nothing that you can do to live the way he wants you to live. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Four. Next verse. You see, four is not supposed to start a, a sentence. So it's linked to all that we are talking about. He says that he has saved you by grace. You get it through faith. It is not of works. It is not of your actions, what you can do to merit. But it is by his work, not of works, lest any man should boast. Because we are his workmanship. We are his manufactured product. We are his best poem. We are God's best poem. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. So God has, the predestination comes with an ordination in the way you walk. The way you walk is good works. How God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing? You too. He wants you to walk about doing good. That's God's purpose for your life. Rise up upon your We'll continue on Sunday. Have you learned anything? God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastoti podcast. Simply search for Pastoti on any podcast app, plug in, and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless you.